I'm going to read uh, verse 22, and it'll be on the screen and, and on your Bible. Um, Daniel 7:22 says, "Until uh, the ancient of days arrived, and a judgment was given in favor of the holy ones of the Most High." This is God's word. And like last week, I need ten more minutes than normal. Okay, sorry. Um, so last week, if you were here, we we covered um, the the bad guys of Daniel seven, wicked. Gentile empires uh, personified as, as wild beasts coming up out of the sea, hostile to um, the covenant people. And then for the next two weeks, I thought I could do Daniel 7 in two weeks. It will take three. Um, next two weeks, we're going to cover the good guys of Daniel 7. Okay, the Ancient of Days, the, the cloud-riding, beast-slaying son of man, the angelic army, and the holy ones of the Most High. But the point today, it's the same as last week, so you could actually leave. It's the same as last week, Daniel 2, Daniel 7, uh, these mere visions and dreams, they end with the same conclusion, okay? The the temporary wicked kingdom will be judged by a divine uh, climactic action from Israel's God, and through this judgment on the beasts, the people of God who are undergoing intense Tribulation from the wicked, the people of God will be saved. They will inherit the everlasting kingdom and God's glory will shine. Okay, like that's that's the message of Daniel. That's just a simple um, Jewish understanding of redemptive history, like how stuff works out. So these themes are uh, sprinkled throughout all the way up to Daniel. So Genesis, Exodus, um, Leviticus, uh, Deuteronomy, uh, Judges, Psalms, Hosea, Nahum, like they're all there. And then we get to Daniel, and Daniel kind of solidifies that, like, yes, this is how um, things work. This is how redemptive history is going to um, come to a conclusion. And then the people after Daniel, they kind of build on um, what Daniel lays out here. So Ezekiel, Zechariah, Malachi, they give more information than all the uh, intertestamental literature that we don't, you know, it's not canon or whatever. But they write the same things that Daniel's writing and Zephaniah's um, writing. And then the later Jewish writings, what we would call the the New Testament, they build on these visions and patterns from Daniel even more. But Daniel's the prototype, right? Everyone is just working off of um, what Daniel saw and and wrote down. And so we're going to work through those main themes this Sunday and next Sunday. So what are the main themes that Daniel gives us that, that gets built on later? First is God's sovereignty and God's intervention into um, history, into Israel's trouble. So Daniel 7 verse 9, he's having the vision. Um, he says, as I kept, and, and the vision is the bad part, right? Beasts coming out of the sea and um, all the stuff. As I kept watching, thrones were set in place and the Ancient of Days took his seat. And his clothing was white like snow, and the hair of his head like whitest wool. So if you have that caricature of God as the old man up in the sky, it's from Daniel, right? That's where the cartoons come from, all right? His throne was a a flaming fire. Its wheels were blazing fire. So it's a throne, it's chariot, and it's both. And a river of fire was flowing, coming out. From his presence and then thousands upon thousands, angels, other divine beings, they served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Which what's what's that? 10,000 times 10,000. A million. That's a lot. Okay. Uh, Stood before him and then the court convened and books 
books were open. So this Daniel's having a vision of the all powerful um, God of Israel, the ancient of days, the ones seated on a blazing, fiery throne. And he's attended to by legions of angel armies. So this is a cool dream, right? It starts out as this nightmare with beasts and monsters and stuff. And then he sees, why? there's a change here. And, and notice the, the contrast between what Daniel's seeing right here and what he has um, just seen. In verse 7 and 8, we have the, the beast and, and the little horn devouring, crushing, speaking blasphemous words against God, oppressing the people of the Most High. But in verses 9 and 10, the sovereign Lord is shown sitting on a chariot throne preparing for judgment. So you've got like this angry, annoying uh, beast here, you know, like hoping to cause trouble and rabble rouse and all the stuff. And then you've got the, the Lord, like, like an old man, like, okay, let's deal with this. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's just sitting, you're screaming and doing all the stuff. He's calm, sitting, legions of angels, um, the whole bit. And so the point that, that Daniel is communicating to us is that God... The ancient of days, the God of Israel, he's more powerful than the beast. Okay, like that. That's the thing. He's more powerful than the sea that the beasts um, have come out of. So Psalm 93 says the floods have lifted up. O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. That arrogant little horn is speaking blasphemous words and the flood lift up their pounding waves greater than the roar of a huge torrent the mighty breakers of the sea greater than those things the lord on high is majestic so the lord the ancient of days he's seated on the throne and he's not intimidated by the sea or the monsters that come out of the sea job uh, nine which awesome first God does not restrain his anger. Even the monsters of the sea are crushed beneath his feet. Isaiah 27, at the end of Isaiah's little apocalypse, 24 to 27. On that day, the Lord with his relentless, large, strong sword, the arm of the Lord, Isaiah 52 and 53, will bring judgment on the Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. He will slay the monster that's in the sea. So the point is that the Lord has set a day, judgment day, to deal with the beast. And Daniel, you know, he's seeing it play out in the night visions on his bed. So the vision communicates to Daniel. It communicates to, to the people of Israel who are going to read and, and, and really treasure Daniel um, later after this. And it communicates to us that the Ancient of Days is not afraid of monsters under the bed, nor monsters out of the sea. He's not afraid. He's having a seat. All right. And fires flowing out of his throne and legions of angels are attending to him. So the beasts can uh, trample and devour and speak blasphemous words and do all they want. But on a day set by God, Isaiah 27, he will take his seat with 10,000 times 10,000 angels and render a judgment. Okay, God will intervene against the annoying, blasphemous, devouring, trampling Beast. That's the main thing, that God intervenes into Israel's history to rescue and save. The, the second main theme in the prophetic and, and apocalyptic literature that comes out over and over and over again is the day of judgment. Okay, like That's a big, big deal, which Daniel's vision emphasizes multiple times. So there's a set day, judgment day, when the court will convene. Books will be opened, charges will be read, and then judgments will be rendered. Judgments will be... Um, administered, and in doing so, as this judgment is happening, righteousness and justice is established on the earth, okay? So this is how, this is how it works on a micro level here, right? If there's a drug you know, house across the street from the school, 
The cops do their job. The judge does his job. The drug house goes away and righteousness is established on the block, right? It's the same it's the same um, mechanism. So this is the expectation that judgment will come at the hand of the Ancient of Days in all uh, the writing before Daniel. Okay, okay so King David's prayer, uh, Psalm 69, he's being oppressed by wicked people. And he says, Psalm 69, charge them with crime on top of crime. Let them be erased from the book of life and not recorded with the righteous. Psalm 96, let the fields and everything in them celebrate. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy. Isaiah 55, the trees will clap their hands, right? And, uh, and, and, and before the Lord. And so why is the whole earth celebrating? Why are the, the trees and the rivers and the streams and, and all this stuff? Why is the earth celebrating? For the Lord is coming and he's coming to judge the earth. Psalm 96. Do I not have Psalm 96? Okay. Just trust me, this is what Psalm 96 says, all right? He's coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and his people with faithfulness. Amanda read Psalm 9, which was just like glory, like, like the Lord's coming to judge the earth. Jeremiah, prophet before, before Daniel, says the tumult will resound to the ends of the earth, for the Lord will bring charges against the nations. He will bring judgment on all mankind. So before Daniel's visions... This is the expectation of the Jewish people. That God is going to open his books, render a judgment, and bring about righteousness. Okay? There's a wild beast raging, persecuting his people. And now Daniel's having the same vision that the prophets before him had. This wild beast is raging, but the Lord, the Lord's court, the Lord's books, the Lord's charges, and the Lord's judgments will come on the wicked. So back to Daniel 7, verse 10. It says the court was convened, the books were opened. Verse 11, the beast was killed, its body destroyed, it was given over to burning fire. Verse 21, this little horn from the the beast waged war against the holy ones and was prevailing over them until the Ancient of Days arrived. Until he showed up and gave a judge, a judgment was given in favor of the holy ones. Verse 26, but the court will convene. Dominion will be taken away from the beast, from the little horn, to be completely destroyed forever. So Daniel's just seeing the same thing, that on Judgment Day, when the books are open, when the Ancient of Days arrives, the beast is judged, his dominion is taken, and he's cast into the fire. And the saints are singing, hallelujah, for the Lord's judgments have come on the beast. And then Daniel 12, there will be a time of distress, right, upon the saints, At the hand of the beast, a time of distress, such as never occurred since the nations came into being until that time. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will escape. And how will they escape? Verse 2. Well, many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life, and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. So Daniel's seeing this all play out that the Ancient of Days arrives, renders a judgment, and the saints are raised to everlasting Life, Just normal, common themes before Daniel, normal, common theme in Daniel. And then after Daniel, these normal, common themes really um, ramp up. So Malachi is a prophet after Daniel. He says, Malachi 3.16, a book of remembrance is written before the Lord for those who feared the Lord and had regard for his name. And the Lord says, they will be my own possession on the day, on the day of judgment that I am preparing and I will have compassion on those written in the book. Verse 18, so you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. And so what's the difference? 
Well, those who fear the Lord, they receive a judgment and are raised to everlasting life. Those who don't fear the Lord receive a judgment and are, and it's a judgment of death, everlasting contempt, Daniel 12, 2. Into chapter 4 of Malachi, he says, For look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant, like that little horn in Daniel 7, who speaks blasphemous, arrogant things against the God of Israel, when all the arrogant, And everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble, like the statue turned to powder, blown away like chaff, Psalm 1, or like the beast cast into the fire, Daniel 7. So the coming day, he says, will consume them. But for you who fear my name, okay, so when the judgment happens, that's bad for them, but it's good for the righteous. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall, which is like the best image ever, right? Like that's, You will trample the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet, Deuteronomy 33, and on the day I am preparing. So after Daniel, Malachi saying the same thing Daniel says with a little different language. And then the intertestamental authors, again, we don't, they're not scripture, whatever, but they say the same things, okay? So this is second Edris, all right? This is the Messiah whom the Most High has kept until the end of days, who will arise from the posterity of David. Matthew 1, Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, will come and speak to the wicked. He will denounce them for their ungodliness and for their wickedness. He will cast them before, cast before them their contemptuous dealings. For first, he will set them living before his judgment seat. And when he has reproved them, then he will destroy them. But he will deliver in mercy the remnant of his people. Same thing Daniel said. And then the Jews in the first century, right, who are writing our, our New Testament, that judgment scene language, that courtroom language really um, picks up. So Jesus teaches it. Jesus looks at Daniel and Jesus teaches this. Matthew 12. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you, and the, the context is, you, I just healed a person and drove out a demon, and you guys just called me a demon. Your words. You guys who just called me a demon, by your words, you will be condemned. When? On the day of judgment. For every careless word that you speak. So Jesus is just, yeah, Daniel, okay? Paul, same thing. Paul's standing before the, the Roman governor, um, Felix, and what's Paul talking about when he's got an audience with the, with the politician? He says, now as he spoke about righteousness, Acts 24, self-control, and the judgment to come. This is what he's telling Felix. And if you keep reading the chapter, Felix is like, okay, that's enough from you, Paul. Don't want to hear about the judgment to come anymore. Romans 2, Paul writes, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself when? In the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment is revealed. Verse 6, he will repay each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory and honor and immortality. But wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. That's just Daniel 7 and Daniel 12, right? Daniel 7, the beast is judged, is thrown into the fire, and the saints inherit the kingdom. Daniel 12, after a time of tribulation, some are raised to eternal life and some are raised to eternal contempt. Paul's not saying anything new. He's just building off of Daniel. Romans 14, we will all stand... Jews and Gentiles fighting in 
Romans 14, he says, guys, none of that matters in light of the judgment seat of God. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to God. Which Paul uh, quotes in Philippians 2, right? Talking about the Messiah. Which tells us Philippians 2 is about judgment day. Verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God at the judgment. Right? Same song. Same song. So Jesus teaches it. Paul teaches it. Whoever wrote Hebrews taught it. And he called it basic in elementary. So Hebrews 6 verse 1. He said, guys, you know, we don't need, you don't need milk. You don't need this stuff. Let us go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation. He lists all the stuff. And the foundation that's basic in elementary is the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Basic in elementary is Daniel 7 and Daniel 12. James taught it. James 2.13 for judgment. On the day of judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. So James is saying, if you show mercy now, mercy will be shown to you on judgment day. Like Jesus says, if you forgive now, you'll be forgiven on on judgment day. And Jesus and James, brothers, they're comparing notes, right? (laughs) Okay. James 3 verse 1, he says, not many of you guys should become teachers because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. On the day of judgment, right? It's just normal. Peter taught the judgment. First Peter 4, verse 5. They, those who live like the Gentiles, doing, you know, debauchery, immorality, all the stuff that you guys used to do, right? They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead from his fiery chariot throne with legions of angels. Second Peter 2. For... Sorry, I, I just, I, uh, I have way too many Bible verses this morning. There's just so many. There's just so many. Second Peter uh, uh, 2, verse 4. Peter says, look, if God didn't spare the angels who sinned in Noah's day, but cast them into Sheol, right, to, to, to wait for the judgment, and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for what? To be kept for the judgment. To be kept, to stand before the Ancient of Days on his Fiery chariot throne with angels. Second Peter 3, 7 says the present heavens and the present earth with all of its rebellion and wickedness. They're stored up for fire being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly with the beast and the statue. Same thing. John taught it. First John four seventeen. He says in this and the this that he's just come out of is that God sent the son into the world as an example for how we are to love one another and and treat each other, right? And you guys should also do the same. So in this, treating each other like Jesus did, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, right? So, just a quick application here. If your general tenor towards people, especially towards other believers, is not self-sacrificial love like Jesus had... I, you don't have confidence for the day of judgment, right? So repent. Turn. <laughs> Treat each other like Jesus did, and you may have confidence for the judgment day. So I read all, you know, just, and there's more. Like, we, I, I restrained, okay? Like, there's more. And, and so with the exception of Paul, like, I think, I think, I think Paul's a little schizo, just in how he does some stuff. With the exception of Paul, 
I, I just love um, first century Jews because they're just normal, um, simple people. Who, not dumb, but just like not making things complicated, okay? Who've been reading their scriptures, who've been reading the, the other uh, intertestamental apocalyptic um, literature of the day, and the conclusion that they all come to, right? The, the, the writings that we have, the conclusion that all of these guys come to is that this present evil age will end in a real judgment day, in a real courtroom. With real books, with a real judge who is the Ancient of Days on a chariot of fire surrounded by legions of angels. And human beings will give account to the Ancient of Days for deeds done in the body. Right? Like you cut these guys, this is what they bleed out. Like their their timeline is not complicated. It's not complicated. All, All of those quotations are just Daniel 7 reheated over and over and over and over and over. Thrones are set. The Ancient of Days takes his seat. The court convenes. The books are open. Judgment is given. That's all they're saying. Okay, over and over and over. And so up to this point in in Daniel's vision, Daniel has seen nothing new. Okay, like Daniel's on his bed, uh, visions in the night, and it's terrifying. Right, but it's not, it's not new, right? He sees terrible Gentile empires and he's like, that's scary, but I've, I've seen that before. I'm living in the first one, right? I've, I've seen this stuff. My people came out of Egypt, I know what this is like, okay? Then he sees God Almighty coming to judge with 10,000 times 10,000 angels. And he's like, I've heard about that before. I've read it before. Enoch, seven generations from Adam, saw that. Like, it's not, it's not new to Daniel. All throughout Israel's prophets, it's Yahweh, it's the Ancient of Days coming uh, to judge. It's Dan- like, this is not new to Daniel. But as Daniel's vision keeps going... Uh, a, a wrinkle is introduced into the common courtroom scene. So Daniel seven thirteen. as I continued watching in the night visions, now I'm seeing something different. Now I'm seeing something I have not seen before. Suddenly, one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. And he, this one like the son of man, he was given dominion. Well, that's new, you know, like, huh, Daniel, like what's going on there? Okay. The one like a son of man comes into the courtroom on storm clouds and he's given authority, right? He, he's given dominion. So assumedly one of those plural thrones that were set in verse nine, assumedly one of those thrones is for this guy, for this one, like the son of man riding on the clouds. So what has happened here is that the ancient of days has handed the task, the the job and the role of judgment over to the cloud-riding Son of Man. That's what's happened, okay? The Son of Man comes in and goes, all right, your job now. I'm handing this to you. And so who is this figure? If you've been a part of, of Bible world, Christianity at all, you know, Jesus claims to be this guy. Jesus begins to do his ministry, and he's telling people uh, more than any other... Um, uh, you know what I mean? Like, like if you listen to me preach, you would think that Jesus' main moniker for himself is Messiah. It's not. Like, he rarely calls himself the Messiah. But over, I think it's 80, 90 times in the gospel, you know what Jesus calls himself? The Son of Man. 80, 80 to 90 times, he's going, Daniel 7, hello. 
Over and over and over and over and over. This is who he says he is. We'll get this a lot more next week, but like he's taking the themes from Daniel 7 and saying, I, I'm the guy. So he begins um, teaching John chapter um, 5. He's in a dispute with some guys. Always in dispute with these guys. Verse 22, he says, the father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. And as he begin, you know, continues his discourse in five, it becomes clear he's not just talking about, oh, you know, the son of David and, and, and the son of God in that way. But he's like, oh, no, I'm the Daniel seven son of man. So listen to all the Daniel seven themes as Jesus keeps going in John five. He says, if someone heeds my words, he will share in the life of the age to come. He will share the one who obeys me, who listens to me, will share in the resurrection of the dead from Daniel 12. And from condemnation at the judgment, he will be spared. Verse 27. And he has granted me authority to execute judgment because I am what? The, yeah, I'm the Daniel 7 son of man that the father has granted authority to judge. The ancient of days comes into the courtroom and he's given dominion. Right. One of those thrones is for him. And Jesus says, hey, guys, I'm the cloud rider. I'm the one. Verse 28. And then he says, guys, don't be astonished at this. And by John five, he's done enough and taught enough and said enough. Like you guys should connect the dots. OK, don't be astonished at this. Verse 28. For a time is coming. Daniel 12, Daniel 12, Daniel 12, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and they will come out. Those whose deeds were upright at the resurrection of life and those whose deeds were evil at the resurrection of condemnation. Daniel 12, right? Like it's the same story. Matthew 16, 27, Jesus says that not the ancient of days, but the son of man is going to come with his angels 10,000 times 10,000 in the glory of his father. And then... Right. Then he will reward each according to what he has done at the judgment. Daniel seven. Right. This. And again, there's 80 of Jesus. You know, eight times Jesus saying this. I'm just reading a few um, this morning. So Jesus has taught this over and over and over and over and over. I'm I'm the one like the son of man. OK, I'm the guy who the ancient days grants authority and, and uh, gives dominion and a kingdom and glory that will not be destroyed forever. OK. And then, as Jesus' first ministry, first coming uh, ministry is concluding, how does it how does uh, how does it conclude? Acts one eleven. How does Jesus get out of here? On the clouds, right? They're standing. He spent forty days teaching on the kingdom of God. They're standing around, and he commissions them. Hey, you know, go to go to Jerusalem. Don't leave until the gift that the that the Father promised is poured out on you. And then he goes up, Acts one eleven, on the clouds. And all the disciples are standing there, and they're looking up. And the angels say, right then, an angel appears because an angel always appears in Luke. Just always an angel appears and so what are you guys looking at which is a i think a dumb question from the angel i just saw a guy float up on clouds what do you mean what are we looking at we're looking at the son of man right and the angel says look the same way that he went up he will return so in the meantime you guys go to jerusalem Wait for the promise of the Father, and then go be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, to the ends of the earth. Okay? So after they see this, after all of his teaching, all of his, even the Son of Man's suffering, we won't do this right now, but even the Son of Man's suffering is, is 
right? Jesus says the son of man must suffer and be killed and rise on the third day, even with all of all this stuff. And then they see him go up on clouds. Then the apostles take this courtroom judgment, throne room, son of man, all this stuff together. And they apply the, the judgment then to Jesus, to the son of man. He's the one who's going to do it. So second uh, Timothy two, Paul writes, I solemnly charge you, Timothy, before God and the Messiah, Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead. So whose judgment been handed to Jesus, right? Okay. And because of his appearing on the clouds and his kingdom, which you'll hand to the saints, which will not be destroyed. Daniel 7. Paul's saying this. The court convenes. The sun appears. The wicked are judged. The saints inherit the kingdom. Same pattern. 1 Corinthians 4. Paul says, don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of hearts. That's a courtroom, right? That's the judgment. that The secret things are exposed. And then... After the judgment, praise will come to each one from God. Daniel 7. The court convenes. The Lord appears. Judgments are made. Praise comes from God. Jude 14. Did Our, our women, you guys did Jude, right? Very cool. Very strange book. Jude 14. He writes, it was about these... And he's just described these wicked that come from the sea. Okay, It was about these that Enoch, seven generations from Adam, so not that far removed from Adam, prophesied, look, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all. Right? And before this, um, Jude has just said that, hey, you know it was Jesus that rescued Israel out of Egypt? Okay, that's Daniel 7. And then Jude uh, 20, but you, you guys, in the meantime, before the Lord comes with 10,000 holy ones, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, for eternal life, right? Because when the Son of Man comes with the clouds and judgment is given and the beast is cast into the fire, what do the saints receive? Mercy and relief from their oppressors and they inherit the kingdom of God because the court's going to convene. The Son of Man will come to judge. The righteous will inherit the kingdom, Daniel 7, and be raised to eternal life. Daniel 12, verse 24. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling in the meantime. Right, He's able to do this and make you stand in the presence of his glory courtroom language, without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord, be glory, majesty, authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Easy. And you can get into all kinds of details and make this really hard. And that's, I'm glad that people study and do that. But the, the pattern, like the Lord's going to come and he's going to judge and he's going to do it at the hands of of the Son of Man. When the judgment comes, the saints receive relief and the kingdom. So this is what Daniel saw. Okay? And this is what Jesus and the apostles preached. And it's what we preach. Okay? Like, it, it's a simple message. Acts 17. Easy, simple message. They, they stand, Paul stands before um, Gentiles who don't have a clue about anything. And he says, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Why? Why? Because God has set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man, 
the son of man, the cloud rider from Daniel 7, by the man he has appointed. This is what we like. This is what we preach to ourselves, guys. There's a set day for judgment. So we need to turn from sin so we can stand before him blameless on that day. But we don't just preach the judgment of the son of man. That would be bad news for everybody. You and me included. That would be bad news for everybody. We preach the forgiveness of the son of man for judgment. Jesus says, Matthew 9, right? He, he heals the paralytic, but so that you guys know that the Son of Man has also has authority to forgive sins, get up and walk. So he's not just been given authority to judge. He's been given authority to forgive sins. And the members of our church uh, can tell you he actually does. He actually does. All of us deserve judgment, right? All of us deserve condemnation for the deeds done in the body. But a massive part of the gospel message that you can't leave out is that we can actually inherit eternal life and not have our sins counted against us through the forgiveness offered in the cross by the Son of Man. And we can stand before him clean on that day and inherit the Daniel 12 resurrection unto eternal life. So this is how the apostles preach as well. Yeah, the Son of Man has been given authority to judge, but the Son of Man has also been given authority to forgive sins. So Acts 10, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he, this cloud-riding Son of Man, is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And, verse 43, all the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of their sins. So if all the judgment talk today is terrifying, good, it should be. You know what I mean? Like, I don't just want to read Bible verses about judgment and be like, oh, glad that's not true. You know what I mean? I want to read Bible verses about judgment and, and hear it from Jesus and hear it from the apostles. And I'm going to tremble at it and say, man, the, the, the deed, the way I've, I've lived, judgment will go bad for me. Right? I want to tremble at it. And then I want to rejoice and the forgiveness offered through the same Son of Man who's coming to judge. I want to give myself to it wholeheartedly. And walk in repentance and walk in humility. Like this is the message we should get from Daniel 7. The judgment's coming. It's been handed to the, the Son of Man. And he will forgive sins. So Robert, would, would you come help us, please? I'll stop. So, Daniel 7, the court will convene. The Ancient of Days will take his seat. Fire and angels will fill the room. Books will be opened and judgment will come at the hands of the Son of Man. And the statue and the beast and all who join in their rebellion against the Lord will receive their just condemnation. And we will rejoice. Okay? We rejoice when the wicked are punished. We, like It's a good thing. But those who repent will receive forgiveness and pardon. Really. Really. Like I know, I know there's like acceptable sins, right? And, and the Son of Man can forgive those, sure. Right? And then there's sins you're like, no. Nah. No way. No way. It's too dark, too wicked, for too long. No way. 
this says that everyone who puts their trust in him will actually receive forgiveness of sins. So whatever, right, however we've rebelled against God in whatever way, for however long, the offer is on the table today to turn from those things, confess those things, repent of those things, and actually receive forgiveness. To stand in this fiery courtroom and for the, <laughs> the judge to, to say, pardon, clean, inherit the joy of your master. So if that's you today, you, you're, you're not putting your trust in, in the Son of Man for the forgiveness of your sins. You should do that today, okay? If you want to know how to do that, talk to a member of our church, talk to me or, or any of our other elders. Like, You can actually be forgiven of your sins and actually inherit eternal life when the Son comes to judge. So let's pray. Father, our, our prayer every week is that you would uh, make it real. Not just words. Not, not just tradition. But, but real. God, a real courtroom with a real judge, real books, real angels, real fire, real judgments given. To help us tremble at this. That we will all stand before the judgment seat. That we will all give an account for our lives. So make the judgment real. And Lord we ask make the cross real. That secures forgiveness of our sins. And that teaches us how to walk. Teaches us how to imitate the sinless one. And Lord, we ask that you would pour out the love of God in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that this coming judgment would drive our discipleship now. Would spur us on to, to stay on the narrow path and to encourage each other on the narrow path. That we wouldn't lose sight of, of what's coming. In the name of Jesus. Amen.